You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. My desire is, my prayer is that God would never have to look down on our church, our, our little piece of land here where, where he's planted us in this city and this world, and say to any of us, where are you at? Where are you at? I've given you some gifts and talents. I want you to touch your neighborhood. I want you to touch uh, a community. I want you to touch around the world. Where are you at? See what I did there? I brought it back around. See that? I brought it back around to where you're at. So I've given you plenty of time. You should have been able to find 1 Samuel 10 if you're looking it up. Uh, As you know, we'll also have it up on the screen, and you probably already figured out it's in your bulletin. Uh, But 1 Samuel chapter 10, we're going to read it from the message translation and, uh, and, and just let's read it. After Samuel got all the tribes of Israel lined up, the Benjamin tribe was picked. Then he lined up the Benjamin tribe and family groups, and the family of Matri was picked. The family of Matri took its place in the lineup, and the name Saul, son of Kish, was picked. But when they went looking for him, he was nowhere to be found. Samuel went back to God. Is he anywhere around? God said, yes, he's right over there, hidden in that pile of baggage. See that again. God said, yes, he's right over there, hidden in that pile of baggage. This is a big where you at moment, all right? And to understand the true gravity of this, let's take a look at this story in the context of Israel's history. So Israel begs for a king. We know the story of Israel. If you've read the Old Testament, you know some of the story of Israel that God had created and chosen his people, and and God was to be their king. By intention, he didn't put a king over them because he was their king, called a theocracy, that God would be their king. They had different prophets and judges that that would rule and step up and help out, but it was not to be a kingship. But through the years, through the generations, the children of Israel begged for a king, whined for a king, like that spoiled child whines for that new toy at Christmas time. They whined for this king. And, and Samuel tells us about First Samuel tells us about it. In chapter 8, if we look at the context of it, we see that, that the Israelites knew that Samuel was getting older. They saw his sons. They didn't like his sons And they were begging for that king to come and be put in place. Uh, God tells Samuel, he says, listen, the people have not rejected you, but they've rejected me. Let's go ahead. We'll give them a king. He acquiesced. He gave them a king. But he said, tell them all that this kingship will mean. And he told the people, Samuel goes on, if you read 1 Samuel 8, the beginning verses, he tells them everything this king would mean. It means he's going to take a tenth of everything that you have. He's going to use your sons and daughters to serve him. He's going to uh, gobble up your land. He's going to rule over you. That is what a king means. And these are the verses. People refuse to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations. Like that spoiled kid, remember? All the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. And so God said, all right, I'm going to give you a king. This is a momentous time in the, in the Israelites' history. And, and all the Israelites were, were asking for this king. We see Samuel gets a, a word from God that he's going to know who this king is. Saul is the one who's going to be chosen as king. We read about it in those first verses. Saul's going to be chosen, but he has no idea his life's about to change. He's in a family who owns donkeys. How many of you own donkeys? 
not seeing one hand. Donkeys get out from time to time. Uh, our, uh, my, my wife's dad has a donkey and, uh, or has had a donkey, and, and they are not the smartest animals. And they get out and all that. And, and so Saul's family had lost a couple of donkeys, and, and they were going out after these donkeys. They had been out three days, and Saul finally said, you know what, let's just go back home because my father's not going to be worrying about the donkeys anymore. He's going to be saying, where's my son? And uh, his, his buddy that was with him said, listen, in this town that we're in, there is a prophet. There's a man of God who could possibly tell us where our donkeys are. And I think that's a good idea. You lose some donkeys, you call the church, all right? Uh, so there's a man of God. And so they, they go and they see Samuel. And when Saul comes in to see Samuel, uh, God immediately says, this is the man that I told you yesterday when I said, you're going to find a man tomorrow that, that I'm going to anoint king of Israel. So Saul comes in and, and Samuel says, man, I have got a dinner prepared for you. Why don't you stick around and let's eat. And he goes to the, to the place and, and brings the great feast to him. And we see he's anointed king. Saul is chosen as king. In uh, 1 Samuel 10.1, it says, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? So Israel begged for a king. Saul was chosen as king. Now this happened not at that big dinner. It happened the next morning as Saul was getting ready to go with his servant, go back to his, to his dad's home, and Samuel sent the servant ahead, and so he anointed Saul king over Israel somewhat in private. Saul was chosen by God. Not only was he chosen, but he was changed by God. Samuel anointed him with that flask of oil, and then he told him three specific things that are going to come to pass so that Saul would know that Samuel was no kook. You know, he said, you're going to meet these people on your way. This is going to happen to you, and, and, and you're going to see a company of prophets, and as they come prophesying, you're going to join them and prophesy as well. All these things are going to come to happen. He tells them that, and, and in 1 Samuel 10, 9, it says, as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. So Saul was called to be king the highest position in the land, the first of its kind. Out of all the inhabitants of Israel, Saul was chosen. Now, there's some written about Saul. Do you know Saul was a very handsome man? Yeah, not unlike, you know, the guy standing in front of you today. <laughs> so he was a, a head taller than everyone else, much unlike the guy standing in front of you today. He, he was a, a handsome, tall guy, and so he was probably used to having attention brought to him. And, and so now he, he's grown up in Israel. Israel, this is now the first time they've wanted a king. Now he knows that, that God is going to give them a king, and that king is him. How many think Saul would be on cloud nine? And as a tall man, he'd be walking just a little bit taller. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. He was changed by God, but Saul hid his calling. Saul hid his calling. So he says that Saul was changed as he left Samuel's house. And, and those three things that Samuel said would happen came to pass. And, and Saul's heart was changed and, and ready for his calling. So he gets back home. And his, his family tells him, hey, those donkeys came back a long time ago. We've been worried about you. 
And Saul tells him, well, I went to Samuel, and, and he had told us about the donkeys. And so his uncle asked him, he said, well, what did Samuel tell you? And so perfect open door opportunity. How many have ever wanted to do something for the Lord? Maybe it, was, maybe it was a neighbor that God put on your heart. Maybe it was a coworker that God put on your heart. You know they're going through a situation, and, and you know God's asking you, would you just pray for them? Would you just tell them that, that, that I'm with them? And you wait for that open-door opportunity. You wait for them. You say, okay, God, if that's really you, have them come to my office and ask, have you heard anything from the Lord for me? You know, have that neighbor come over and say, could you explain Jesus to me? You know, we, we want those opportunities with big neon signs. And, and so Saul gets that. He's called to be king. He's anointed as king. And, and, and so he has the open-door opportunity. His uncle says, what did Samuel tell you? He says, he assured us that the donkeys had been found, and then he could say, and he anointed me as king of Israel. But it says in verse 6, actually 16, sorry, but he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Where are you at, Saul? Where are you at? He hid it from his own family. We're ever going to live changed lives. It begins with our family figuring out we're living a changed life. And it shouldn't be how we tell them, but how we live, right? So it gets worse, though. The prophet Samuel, he calls all of Israel together. This was a huge announcement. And for the first time ever, Israel is going to have a king, and we're going to come and gather, and we're going to find out who this king is who's going to rule over us. So the prophet Samuel, he calls all of Israel together. In, In dramatic fashion, all the tribes are brought before Israel, brought before Samuel. And from the 12 tribes of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin is chosen. So clan by clan, the tribe of Benjamin is brought forward. Someone from the tribe of Benjamin is going to be called king, anointed king, chosen as king. So clan by clan, they come forward, and the clan of Matri is chosen. And dramatic, tension building, right? I mean, they're in there just crunching on their Cheetos, just wondering what's going on. And dramatic fashion, a family of Matri is chosen, as tension builds, Saul's family is chosen, Saul, son of Kish, is chosen. So then the announcement is, the king is Saul, son of Kish, and they look around. Much like as I was introduced, and you were looking around, like, is he going to show up? Where are you at, Saul? And so they had to ask the Lord. First uh, Samuel 10, 21, it says, but when they looked for him, he was not found. And verse 22, so they inquired further of the Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies, or as we read it earlier, among the baggage. Kind of a letdown. Here's our king, but let's coax him out. You know, here's this man who stands a head taller than everyone else, beautiful and anointed king, yet he didn't want to show up. Israel begged for a king. God granted him their king, yet the king was hiding. It's an interesting story from Israel's history. I read this as, uh, I think, my first week uh, here at the church, and I just, I just tucked it away and said, you know, this, I, I believe this is a message God wants me to bring forth. So I'm praying that this is a good message. I was praying three things when I, when I found out about this message. I was praying I'd lose five to ten pounds, and uh, <laughs> I was praying I'd have a good hair day, and... Uh, I was praying that it would be a good message, and so I'm down two strikes already, so I'm hoping <laughs> at the end of this day uh, that, anyway, 
we'll, we'll have a good message. But, but Saul is called. So, so this interesting story from Israel's history, but how does it relate to us? Right? How many are asking, oh, what does it matter to me? Well, good. I'm glad you asked, all right? So uh, I want to tell you, we are called by God. We are called, every one of us. We are chosen by God. You can put called, put chosen, though. I, I like that word. You are, you are chosen. John 15, 16. This is my life verse. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Let that sink in for a minute. You are chosen by God. How many remember on the playground, you ever had to pick teams for a sport? And the two uh, most athletic people, they were called, oh, you guys be captains. And everyone else up against the fence. And uh, I know you're looking at me, you're like, yeah, you're so athletic, you probably always got chosen. And, uh, but believe it or not, no. Uh, you know, I'm like, oh, I hope I don't get chosen last. You never want to be chosen last, right? And, uh, but, and it feels good when you have your name called. Hey, we want you to be on our team. We want you to be on our team. I want you to know God wants you on his team. You're not here. You didn't sneak in by accident. There wasn't a group forming, and you just kind of thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just be over here. Man, God knows you're here, and he loves it. He loves that you're part of his family. He's chosen you. From the beginning of time, he's chosen you. Now, I don't want you to think we're just some elite people. God has chosen everyone, but it, it does tell us that, that we not only heard that God chose us, but we also responded. Say, God, I, I choose you. God, thank you. So I want you to know we are called, we are chosen by God, every one of us. Uh, God, God loves us. Just like Saul was chosen, we are chosen. And I want you to know something, too, that we are changed. We are changed by God. So we are called, we're chosen by God, and let me tell you, we're chosen for some great things to do some amazing works that God has prepared for us to do. But we are, and we are changed for that calling. How many think being the king of Israel would be an easy job? No, I don't think so. I don't think president would be an easy job either. And uh, let me tell you, we'll, we'll talk about prayer later. But uh, we are changed by God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You're changed by God for great things. God knows that living the life that he has called us to is not easy. It's not easy. We're going we're gonna to have to walk through this life until it is over. We're going to have to walk through the ups, which are great. How many know the ups are great? You know, the mountaintops, those are wonderful things. Some ladies are getting ready to go on retreat. That's going to be a kind of a mountaintop experience. Sometimes... You know, those, those big things, getting married, having kids, you know, mountaintop experience. I heard grandkids are great. Looking forward to that someday. Distant future, guys, distant future. <laughs> some mountaintop experience, but then we also have to go through some valleys. We have to go through some hard times. This life is not easy. Uh, is anyone, is that new news for you? This life is not easy. No, we, we know that, right? <laughs> But we are chosen by God, and we're changed by him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. 
It's a while back that I gave my life to the Lord. I was 17 years old when uh, I had overdosed on drugs. Uh, God had to heal me and set me free, restore me to where I could even speak again. I left a treatment center and the doctor who said, I don't believe in your God. He was a Buddhist. He said, the only way you're leaving here is a miracle. I experienced a changed life, a new man. And the old Darren entered that place and a new Darren came out of that place. And, it, and it, my life uh, has been filled still with ups and downs, but I know that I am a different man. I'm not a perfect man by any means, but I am a changed man. God's Holy Spirit lives in me, and he's changing me. He's working on me from the inside out. And it's not because I'm anything special. He says, I'll be in you too. Every one of us, every one of us who follows the Lord, God is in us. So we are called, we are changed, and here's the part that's terrible. Here's the letdown, all right? We are given a choice. We're given a choice. And here's why I say it's a letdown, because it'd be so much easier if when we gave our heart to the Lord, he just kind of hooked us up the little marionette strings and, and could pull us around and, all right, you're going to go talk to your neighbor. Now just open your mouth and I'll tell you what to say. You're going to go teach a kid's class and, and you don't have a choice about it. Uh, but he's given us a choice. It'd be easy to say, you're going to walk away from all your bad habits. You're going to walk away from all your hang-ups. You're going to walk away from all these things. But he's given us a choice. He designed it that way. In the Garden of Eden, when he created man, he could have created them as robots. Just, you know, I'm going to populate the earth with people that all they can do is just say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But he didn't want people who would worship him because that's all they could do. He wanted people who would worship him because we found out that there's no better way to live than worshiping and loving the Lord God, our Savior. So we are given a choice. Jesus, our, our great servant, Pastor, Pastor Bernie's been talking about the servant Jesus, and our great servant in Matthew 5, uh, 13 through 16, he gives us some great words. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It goes on, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Look at that. It doesn't say you could be. It says you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And in verse 16, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Not robots, but people who found out that, man, Jesus loves me. He could have left me to die in my own sin, in my own shame, my own filth, but God cleaned me up, gave me a second chance. And this Jesus, who did that for me, continues to do that for every one of us. And we're given a choice. Will we step up or will we hide out? Saul had that choice. Was he going to stand up to his calling or was he going to hide among the baggage? I ask you that question. Where are you at? Where are you at? And we're given a choice. 
Why do we choose to hide sometimes? Why do we choose to hide sometimes? I believe a lot of times the devil uses this in our life, fear that we aren't good enough. Fear that we aren't good enough. Anybody ever been there before? Say, you know, I I think God wants me to do this, but there are so many other people who could do this. Uh, I think God wants me to, but I know what I've done, and I am not a good person. I have not done things well. And we have too small an opinion of God's grace and mercy. Saul had this. You read that, those passages, 1 Samuel 8, 9, and 10, get that context. And 1 Samuel 9, as, as Saul uh, comes into the presence of Samuel, and Samuel says, hey, I'm going to invite you to this banquet uh, everyone in Israel is going to know about your family. Before Saul's ever even tipped off that he's going to be king, he said, well, wait a minute, my family's nothing special. We come from the smallest tribe of Israel. We're nothing special. Fear we aren't good enough. Fear we aren't good enough. And that doesn't come from the Lord. Because how many know God, God knows us? He knows us. I mean, if you've ever tried to lie on a resume or lie on an application, you can't lie on your resume to God, all right? And he knows everything, all those things you never put down on an application, you never put down in a resume. God knows all of those, and yet he still says, I want you. I choose you. I'll use you. You step up. What causes us to hide? Fear we aren't good enough. Fear of change. Fear of change. You know, we love what change brings us. If you're reading a Bible on your, on your app this morning, change brought that. Somebody thought this phone you pick up and, and uh, do this and it, and it has a cord, said, no, that's no, no longer good enough. And then we got rid of the cords. And then, and then we had mobile phones that were about this big. And, and uh, now you can just carry them around in your pocket wherever you're at. And uh, you, can, you can access the Bible and, and you can still make phone calls. But how many found out, you know, the, phones, the phone function doesn't work as good anymore now that we have all these other things. But fear of change. We get so stuck in our ruts. We get so stuck in what God has done in the past. We get stuck in what, uh, what we have become that we can't see what God wants us to do. Sometimes it's that fear of the unknown. If I do step out, if I do say yes, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if God's going to show up. I don't know if this is really God speaking or just too much pizza last night. I... Fear of the unknown. And you know, all that ties into pride. All that ties into pride. Because, you know, we could just put everything on God, and I believe God would be okay with this. If we prayed about what God wanted us to do, and we said, okay, God, I feel like this is what you want me to do. This is the man you want me to be. This is the woman you want me to be. This is what you want me to do. And if we operate under that and we say, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, then I'm going to step out and you're going to have to show up. You're going to have to show up. You know, I never thought I would stand in front of people and speak in front of them. It was just not something I wanted to do. Public speaking, no thank you. But God called me to ministry. God called me to pastoring. God called me to this, and, and he gave me a wonderful wife. My wife's right over there. Hi, Jill. 
and uh, gave me a wonderful wife. And, and before we were married, we were in Bible college, and she was able to be with me my very first time speaking in front of a pulpit. And I stood in front of a pulpit, not near as modern as this, and I just kind of held on to it, and I had a bunch of notes, and I just stood there, and I read my notes. And I just read my notes, and people said they liked it, but they were being kind. <laughs> it was my very first message. I believe it was a Mother's Day evening service. So Sunday evening service, we don't even have those anymore, uh, but on Mother's Day. So the pastor was being very safe. We're going to let this kid from Bible college come on the Sunday night of Mother's Day because we know it's just pretty much going to be the pastor's family, him, and maybe a couple other people. I sit there and I read my notes, and this wonderful wife of mine, she told me, you know what, that was great. That was really great. But next time, you know. <laughs> and she did that several, she was with me uh, all those times I was learning to preach. I preached in her father's church. Her dad was a pastor, and he'd let me preach. And uh, she said, oh, that was great. And this is a great way to criticize your mate, all right? So... Compliment them. That was great. Great job. But, you know, next time. And she probably had a whole list the very first time I spoke, but she was so kind and just, just one thing at a time. You know, I'm going to have to listen to you for a long time, so uh, <laughs> just one thing at a time. We'll work on it. Um, but she's great. Our pride can keep us and say, you know what? What if I fail? What if I fail? You know, one of her things, so I read my notes, and she said, don't read your notes. You know, don't, don't go up there and just, just read us your notes, because uh, she didn't want to be read to. And I said, okay, God, if I'm going to do this, God, you got to show up. you got to be there. And, and uh, so I, I went up there with just a bare outline. I thought, okay, God, you got to show up. You know, and it wasn't just her, you know, I'm a, you know, but it was God. I wanted to communicate well to people. And so every time I get up, I just pray, God, would you please show up? God, I don't want necessarily you to hear me. I want you to hear what God is saying to you. But pride can keep us from doing what God calls us to, because what if we fail? What if we fall on our face? What if we can't do it? But if you will just say, God, if you've called me to it, I'm going to put you on the line. And so if I fail, I'm going to blame you. And I believe God is okay with that. If you stepped up and say, I'll teach a second and third grade class, I don't know if I can do it, but I'll step up and do it. I, one, of, uh, one of the things I was called on to do is teach a kindergarten, first and second grade boys class. And I thought, oh my goodness. I, I don't know. I had two daughters and I'm, you know, I'm better with teenage and up and I don't know, Lord. But when we say yes, God shows up and he does some amazing things. So who's waiting for us to show up? Who's waiting for us to show up? Why are we hiding and who's waiting for us to show up? One, ourselves. I just put that on there, ourselves. We're waiting to show up. Sometimes we get so busy, so caught up in, in work, in, in succeeding and all these things, and we don't do anything for ourselves. I'll get to a little more of that later. Our spouses, our children are waiting for us to show up. Your children waiting for you to rise to the holy calling of being a parent who puts your child's needs ahead of your own. 
your spouse desperately needing the attention they deserve as you signed up to give your very life for her or him, and, and now you barely give them the time of day. God changed us to be the men and women after his own heart, yet we hide in our busyness, in our self-importance, in our reluctance to surrender. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, where are you at? Because I'm not where God wants me to be. Our children need us. Our families need us. Our world needs us to step up. In a couple months, we'll have this thing called an election. And these things in my, in my lifetime, they have just gone downhill. I'm just going to say it, all right? But nevertheless, we are called to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And so we're going to have to pray a lot of discernment. Lord, what do we do? And then we're going to have to uh, pray a lot for our nation. How many know we should be doing that anyway? But our world needs us. God looks down. Where are you at? The children of Israel's history. In Ezekiel, he talks about, talks about he looked for a man who would stand in the gap. He looked for one who would just stand in prayer, stand in the gap for the nation, yet he found none. May that never be said of us, so that we would be there to step up. Look at who's waiting for us to show up. Uh, our church, our world, and, and how do we answer this call? How do we answer this call? One, we have to spend time with God. We'll never know what God wants us to do if we don't spend time with Him. It goes along with this next point, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. You know, I love the conveniences of this world. We can have a, a lot of different apps do things for us. We can, we can set our, our coffee pots to come on at a certain time. And for Keurigs, now you still have to get up and put that thing in manually. Uh, so kind of foiled that. But um, and you got to wait that whole minute. And it's, ugh. You know, we, we, can, we can delegate a lot of life's responsibilities, but there are things that only you can do. I can never get so busy that, that I ask someone, hey, would you mind doing my devotions for me this week? I, just ha I have a lot on my plate, and, uh, and I, I want to read the Word daily. I want to be in God's Word, but I, just, I don't have time. So if you could read that for me, here's what I'm reading, and then uh, maybe just cliff note it for me at the end of the day. We can't do that. We can't, we can't delegate growing spiritually. I'm sure you've heard our pastor say this. We can't delegate that. I talked about my wonderful wife. Well, I'm the only husband she's going to have. You know, probably as long as I live long enough and all that. But I'm her only husband. So if, if I'm going to pray, God, give her a great husband, I've got to be that great husband. We brought two beautiful kids into this world, and I'm the only dad they're going to have. I can't say I got a lot on my plate this month. You know, we got a lot of activities, we got a lot of things going on, so, uh, so I'm going to bring in Fred here to be your dad for the month. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. There's things that only we can do. Only we can feed ourselves spiritually. Only we can be those spouses that we need to be, those, those parents that we need to be, those grandparents. 
So spend time with God. Do what only you can do. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. How many know God is speaking all the time? We know that God always has plans for us, yet sometimes we close our eyes to what God wants us to do. We say, no, I, no, I don't think so. I think, you know what? I think God was asking me to tell someone else that they needed to do that. I think that was it. I think that's why God put that burden on my heart for this. To ha- yeah, definitely God put this burden on my heart so that I could tell someone else to do that because that needs to be done. We keep our eyes open. We say, God, you know what? Maybe you're calling me to do that. Maybe you're calling me to do that. Maybe that's why you've changed me in this way. Maybe that's why you've put all these things in place. We keep our eyes open, and we know that he is with us. We know that he is with us. I love my kids. They're 15 and 13, and, and they still have some growing to do. I, yeah, they do. So, you know, still got to raise them and, and that. But I, I can't remember a time, I, hopefully not, I, I've told them to do something. You need to do this and, and not shown them how to do it. Not, not expected them to, to just know things. Although I have one daughter who, who uh, sometimes just wants to know how to do something and doesn't want to ask. She gets that from her mom. Um, but... <laughs> We keep our eyes open, know that he is with us. I, uh, you know, I, I want to be able to teach and train, so if God puts something on my heart for my kids, I want to teach them in that. Uh, just, even just help them in however I can. My, my oldest daughter, she's on the Cabrillo tennis team, and so, so I want to help her out, you know, and so we go and play tennis. We played tennis yesterday and, and, uh, and figured out how could I help you out. Uh, learn, learn the game of tennis. Her life goal is to beat her father in tennis. And uh, I don't know, one day I'll let her win. But, um, but you know, I'm going to hit the ball how she needs to be able to, to learn and, and do that because I love her. And we serve a God who loves us. And he doesn't set us up for failure. He sets us up to win. When, he, when we have that calling, we have that burden, when we know what we need to do, And some of us, we just need to get back in our homes. We just need to be those those spouses. We need to be those parents that God's called us to do. And guess what? He will be with us and help us. Some of us, it's a ministry that God's called you to do. You know he's put it on your heart, but you've been reluctant to step up. Know that God is with you, that he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Refuse to hide away. Everything in you will say, no, I'm going to hide. I'm going to hide. Yeah, it's much easier to hide. I've been, doing, I've been doing hiding for a long time. I've been hiding for a long time. I'm good at it. And so I'm just going to keep hiding. And uh, other people can do whatever. I don't care, but I'm hiding. Refuse to hide. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm going to step up. I'm going to say yes to what God's called me to. And that's the phrase right there, what God's called you to. Now, we don't have to pray about things like, should I be a good spouse? Should I be a good parent? And those are, those are in there. They're in the scriptures. We need to. But teaching a class, leading a ministry, starting an outreach, just, just even uh, being that Christian at work, 
how many know there's a lot of our workplaces that could use a little more Jesus? You know, could use a little more prayer. And so you could hide away and pray that someone else will do that. You could open your eyes and say, God, if you'll be with me, I'll, I'll, I'll bring Jesus into the workplace. Just by my heart and attitude. Just to love and serve. To love and serve. I'm going to do the things that no one else does. I'm going to love and serve. I'm going to refuse to hide. I'm going to know that God is with me. The question we need to ask ourselves is, where are you at? Where are you at with this? Where are you at with what God has called you to? 1 Peter 2.9, in the message translation, it says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him. We're called. We're chosen. We're equipped. We're changed to do His work, to be God's instrument and to speak His word. And I got to tell you, there are certain things that God has asked each one of us to do that if we don't do it, just might go unfulfilled. There's a lot of times we don't want to get that big head on our shoulders where we say, no, you know, if if I'm not there, the whole thing falls apart. God can raise up anyone to do anything at any time. But there are certain things that God has called you to do and no one else. So will we do those things that he's called us to do? Will we stand up? Let's pray today. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.